Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. The title after Advent worship was chosen with much thought on how we would end this year's theme of worship. At the same time, focusing on what is happening in this time of year. Some of you may recall that the theme for this month is Advent worship. It was explained during the monthly theme commentary that Advent refers to a time period, a time of celebration, the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, God himself coming in human flesh, and an anticipation for his Second coming. So we have the first advent and the second advent. And our focus this morning will be focusing on that first advent, which is celebrated worldwide as Christmas or Christmas. But what happened after the original Christmas at the hand of King Herod is still happening today. You see, Herod was an adversary of the Advent. Now, adversary is anyone who opposes another. From a biblical perspective, the Greek word is most often translated as diabolos, or as it is rendered in the Bible, devil. The word in the English language dictionaries has several applications. But the most, I think, profound one is an enemy. This definition definitely applies to King Herod. For technical or textual background information, I want you to consider that our text Matthew draws our attention to a group of Gentile men from a distant land who came to worship Jesus as the newborn king. Reflecting back on Minister's thought message about some of the things that we visualize about what happened on that first day and the truth, the original language does not call these individual wise men. Nor does it say how many there were. We get the idea of there being three from the three gifts that the Bible mentioned that they presented. The literal translation of this new king, of this King James word rendered as wise is magos. Or is it most often known, magis. Now, here's the history behind this that will make a lot of sense to this passage. It's a term used in Persian and Babylonian language for people who specialize in astronomy. 
and for people who were students as priests. Now, it's believed that these Magi's are ancestors of the Chaldean wise man that Daniel had charge of when we read how Daniel became very well known and famous in the Babylonian Empire. And as priests, these individuals that we call Magi's studied the Old Testament. They were familiar, as the story passed down, about Daniel's God. Thus, these Magi's will have an interest in the birth of the Jewish king. And the star was the fulfillment of prophecy that's in Numbers 24 and 7 that basically said that I don't, I see you, but not now. I sense you, but not near. But out of the north shall come a star. So these men, by their study in astrology, knew that the king had been born, so they made preparation to go to Jerusalem. After all, this was going to be a Jewish king. But that being said, maybe the text will make a little bit more sense to us in its reading. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Another reality about this is the star was not constantly there. The star appeared to them in the east. From their study, they knew that the king was going to be born somewhere in Judea, so they went to the capital to see the current king. But I want you to notice something about this passage. The wise man or the magi did not ask if a king had been born. They had no doubt about that. They asked where he had been born. Mine, this must have been a shock to Herod. You see, Herod was not born king. Herod was a political appointee of the Roman government. So this caused some disturbance, not only with Herod, but throughout Judea. Verse 3 says this, when Herod the king heard this, what did he hear? The one being born king. He was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Not only was Herod concerned about arrival to the throne, the citizenship of all of Jerusalem, and this word trouble, is terrified. They feared how Herod would react. You see, they knew something about Herod history. I'll tell you a little bit about Herod. He was a brilliant man. He built the first temple. It didn't even get completed, I think. 
to 46 years later. But he had a problem. And the people knew that he had a problem. And they knew that things could only get worse. See, they remember that when two of Herod's sons became more popular than him, he murdered them. A third son, who, how should I say, who spoke against one of his decisions, he had him executed in public. Herod was a very evil individual. Therefore, if someone had been born the rightful king, her position was in jeopardy. And he was not going to allow that to happen easily. So Herod summoned all the Jewish religious scholars to discover where the rightful king would be born. Verse 4 says this, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. They're referring to prophet Micah and his reading in Micah 5 and 2. You see, even the elite Jewish leadership, these chief priests was uh, no longer one single high priest. They were 24 priests, probably of the Sanhedrin council, probably Sadducees, that had ruled the nation, and the scribes were the scholars, the professors of religion in the land. And the king made a demand, it wasn't a request, a demand, where is Christ going to be born? So they were concerned about the Magi proclamation of a new king. You see, Herod had also executed many other people. Prominent members of the Sanhedrin Council had lost their lives because Herod thought they were disloyal. So they even feared for their safety. But in their favor, they had the Torah and the prophets. And Michael had made it easy for them to answer the king's question and satisfying his demand. Let me tell you something else about Herod. Herod's an old man now. And for you seniors, you have to be careful when you get old. You don't see things the same way. Herod had become paranoid. Everybody's after me. He was insecure. And I know my mama when I talked to her every Friday. My sister was telling me that she's at the point now where she said, don't nobody love me. And you know I love my mama. And we all love her. But it's that aging process. So I want you to think, and let me skip ahead too, because Harry really died about two months after this. He's old. He's sitting now. He's paranoid. So he felt the need to do more than just find out where he was going to be born at. 
to ensure that his kingdom, his position would remain intact. So under the pretense of desiring to worship this one who was rightly born king, he arranged then a private meeting with the Magi's. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time, I want you to hold that thought, what time the star appeared. And when he sent them to Bethlehem, verse 8 said, and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you find him, notice what he said. Don't say bring him to me. Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now, Harry's question about time, Bonita, challenges the accuracy of the nativity scene. If we read on in the text, we'll find out it was two years later when they came to a house, not a stable. So when we see the nativity scene, I want you to think about that next time. Sarah said he really wanted to worship, but his real purpose was to kill Christmas. But by the providence of God, the Christ shall and Christmas survive. Now, I thought it would be interesting on this last Sunday to let's look at how God handled Advent adversity. Because Advent adversity will not allow us to worship properly. And when we look at these things, I want you to apply them to your life and what's going on with you this month as we are in the mood of celebration, the first Advent. First thing, a divine warning not to go back. A divine warning not to go back. Verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their country another way. The wise man heard Herod, and to them Herod may have seemed sincere, about worshiping on the outside. But they were full of envy on the inside. Sometimes God is warning us that we don't need to go back. Now I know it's going to be a lot of people between now and tomorrow, if you haven't already, going to make resolutions. You may not call them resolution, but you're going to say, I want to do better in 2018. And rightly so, you should. But even if you don't other worry, there's some things that you did in 2017 you don't need to go back to. It said that they went another way. Some of y'all need to try some new things. Because what you got going on with you right now just ain't working. And, 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 and as 
uh, one of my golf teachers on TV said, if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to keep on getting what you're getting. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you hooked up with a young man or a young woman and they ain't changed in 2017, they ain't going to change in 2018. You need to not go back. You need to go another way. You see, when Herod couldn't kill Christmas, he killed every male child under the age of two. That's scripture. And I am convinced, and I've told many of this, I believe God is calling a remnant out of the young African Americans in our society. And that's why they're acting foolish. Because the devil is trying to destroy what God is putting in them. So instead of ministering in churches, many are ministering in jail. Number one, a divine warning not to go back. Number two, a holy call to flee out of your comfort zone. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod seek the young child to destroy him. A couple of points I want to bring out. But first of all, Egypt was not a good place for a Jewish carpenter to make a living. Can you imagine Joseph hearing this word? Go to Egypt. Go to Egypt? Isn't there some other place I can go? I got a wife and a new baby. How am I going to provide? Ain't nothing there in Egypt. They don't like it because Hebrews weren't popular in Egypt. But you think about the gifts. One of the gifts that the Magi brought was gold. And that money that they gained was enough for them to live in the land of Egypt for the two months that they had to stay there. You telling me God ain't omniscient, ain't all powerful? He knew about that. But let's look at this, this scripture a little bit more. It says flee Egypt, flee to Egypt. And many of us, God has been telling us to run. But I want you to look at the rest of the scripture. It says, stay there until I bring you word. God is telling some of y'all, y'all need to run and don't run back. Stay there until God tell you to leave. People are hopping churches. They're divorcing churches, divorcing wives and husbands. You got into that, stay there. To God tell you. I know it ain't popular, but it's still right. A divine warning not to go back, a holy calling to flee out of the comfort zone, a spiritual command to turn aside. Verse 22. 
For when Herod heard that, excuse me, but when he heard, talking about Joseph, that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Afraid to go there. Afraid to go there. And there being warned by a, in a dream by God, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. He came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet. He shall be called a Nazarene. I want you to notice something in this passage. It wasn't Joseph's fear that caused him to turn aside. It was being warned by God. Think with me with Joseph. I didn't want to go to Egypt, but that's where you told me to go. I went there anyway. Thank God for the magi you sent and provided funds for me. I was going to go back home. But then I heard that Archelaus had took over after Herod had died. Archelaus is Herod's son. He's worse than Herod. I really don't want to go there. But I, I, I'm trying to think with him. I said, but Lord, you don't let me in Egypt brought me out there. I, I'll just go on to back to Jerusalem because that's where you're telling me. I don't want to go. And God says, well, turn aside and go to Galilee. Well, Galilee ain't bad. But go into Nazareth, Galilee. Whoa, wait a minute. You see, Nazareth was the most least desirable place that a good Jew would go. It was like living in a penthouse in New York City and being told to go to the Delta in Mississippi after the hurricane. Nazareth was the hood. In fact, even today, Nazareth is not a place that Jews want to go to. The only reason that the city of Nazareth still survived today is because of tourism. See, when Ann and I went to Israel, we went to Nazareth because we wanted to go to Nazareth. That was where Jesus worked as a carpenter. And people are still going to Nazareth today, but if it wasn't for tourism, Nazareth would not even be on the map. It was worse than the hood. It was where blight was, where criminals was. Now think about it again. Now I was in Jerusalem, the capital. You don't send me to Egypt, and now you want to send me to Nazareth? But God told him, turn aside. Go there. Why? Because it's been prophesied that the Messiah was going to be called a Nazarene. You can think of many negative turns and you can fill in that blank. And whatever negative turn you think about calling somebody, that's what it meant. All right, Pastor. You told us the good story. Now what? Here's the point of the message today. Now that it's after Christ's Mass, after Advent, after Christmas, are we still excited about worship? You see, the biggest adversary to the Advent may be you. What happened to us after we taken down the tree, repacked the decoration, got rid of all of the trash and all of the box? All the 
the debris. You see, it was exciting as we planned our Christmas event. We shopped for gifts. We decorated our dwelling places. And then last week, we opened presents on Christmas morning. All smile. But then we thought about the bills. After Advent. Do we still want to worship Jesus when we look at our credit cards account? Let, 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 let's take this a little farther. Uh, let, me, let me talk to the seniors now. When you were a kid and believed in the fictional figures associated with Christmas, oh, you were so glad. But now you know the truth. Have you lost your joy of Christmas because you now know the truth? You see, when you were young, you may have believed in the baby in the manger. And that made you feel good. But now you know the truth. He's no longer a little baby, a little infant in a feeding trough, totally dependent upon his parents. He is God. And did that cause your spirit of Christmas to die? Think about it. When you were a child, Santa was a big part of your Christmas. But Santa's blessing was conditional. Oh, you better not cry. You better not pop. But Jesus' blessings are unconditional. Just believe. When you were a child, Rudolph was a big part of your Christmas. That red-nosed reindeer. But he was only needed in bad weather. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus in good weather and in bad weather. When you were a child, Frosty the Snowman was a big part of your Christmas. But Frosty needed a magic hat before he came to life and danced around. And all when the sun came out, what happened to Frosty? You see, Jesus didn't have a magic hat. Jesus wore a crown as a result of his resurrection back to life by the Spirit. He is the Son of God. And when he shines, your cold sin will be melted away. So the biggest advent of Christmas may be you. But you can be turned from an adversary, an enemy, to his child. Now, if you stand with me, if you're not in the ark of safety, this last worship service at 10 o'clock will be a great time for you to make a decision.
You can receive Jesus right now as your Savior simply by repeating with me this simple prayer. Just say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I accept you as Lord and Savior right now. Come into my heart and live within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.